0: Good morning.
1: You're just in time.
0: Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement.
1: Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Welcome. I'm Amanda Miller.
0: And I'm Dave Orsborn. We're thrilled to have you with us this morning in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our local and live morning show.
1: Cam Clutter is our faithful barista. Joining us this morning in the cafe is Shane Benarik, Registration Coordinator for Damascus, and Andrew Zook, Associate Director of Communications for the Diocese. Good morning, Dave.
0: Good morning, Amanda.
1: Could you start us in a prayer?
0: Yes, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this incredible weather. Help us to enjoy it today. Thank you for our lives. Thank you for this opportunity to spend uh, together with our friends in the cafe this morning. Help us uh, have the words that glorify you to, to bring others closer to you. and Just to bask uh, in your glory with grateful hearts. Mother Mary, intercede for us. And bring us closer to the heart of your son. Amen.
1: Amen. Father, son. Father son, Holy Spirit. Amanda. <laughs> Dave.
0: What's in your mug?
1: Oh, I um I just have black tea today.
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's a little boring. <laughs> I I did With? add some vanilla collagen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep.
0: What's collagen?
1: Um, you know, it's like good for your skin and hair good for your collar yeah yeah <laughs> what do you have dave i have coffee okay just coffee
0: just coffee yep. no mushrooms <laughs> no milk no collagen <laughs> just straight <laughs> up bean yep yep and uh, your toast this morning was uh
1: yeah next level yeah actually so some of that bread is from the Italian festival so good mm. and then I put some yogurt on top with some uh, <laughs> some apple butter and some bananas yeah nice mm-hmm. I thought it was a pretty balanced pretty balanced meal
0: I had half of a uh, apple something or other fritter
1: Oh, okay. From our donuts yesterday. From our donuts yesterday. Nice. And
0: one Aussie bite from Costco.
1: (laughs) Those are pretty good. Those are really good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It'd be better with uh, like fluff or something on them.
1: (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) Did you get a chance to enjoy the weather yesterday?
0: A bit. A bit. I uh, stopped by Sharon Woods on the way home and did evening prayer. Nice. Out at a picnic table is my routine is these days Mm -hmm. and it's still nice when it's warm enough over the weekend it was a little a little chill you know when it the chill first arrives though it's in the I mean it was probably in the upper 50s 60s but it was still cold you Mm -hmm. know so I haven't adjusted yet (laughs) but yeah last night was men's group and holy hour too so just fantastic
1: yeah and it's supposed to be what like 75 today so I'm excited for that
0: yeah just wait (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh i'm ready okay i am ready
0: <laughs> who are our friends this morning who are you people andrew shane welcome to the cafe well thank you for having us yeah tell us a little bit about yourself andrew sure so i andrew zook andrew zook don't forget
2: it <laughs> i uh well first i want to say I'm, I'm sporting morning thunder tea with uh, <gasps> some locally grown honey uh to stay healthy i have young children that Mm -hmm. is a part of my life married have young children and uh they are at school and they bring up home germs so i want to stay healthy stay healthy out there everybody uh i am the associate director of communications at the diocese of columbus what does that mean i lead the team that does a lot of the digital communication uh the print communication uh and also i'm starting to do this thing consulting with parishes to help especially smaller parishes that need Uh, help with communications nice Mm -hmm. excellent
1: okay so thunder tea is that what you said morning thunder morning thunder is that a type of coffee
2: it's a it's tea okay uh i you know i'm not a coffee drinker i tried it when i was young and it didn't uh sit well with me and then i was in musical theater and I was open to the world of green tea with honey. Shane's giving a fist <laughs> pump. All right, we're in the musical theater realm. So I had green tea with honey, and then it's just kind of gone from there. Morning thunder. I can't remember exactly what's I think in it's
1: it. It's a mate, right?
2: Yeah, we'll go with Monte, that. Mate, it's like I'm a
1: stronger sure. version of. Um, it's a different type of. I don't even know if it's a green tea actually. It's but not. All of no, our no, it's not a green. Tea. It, it, has it has caffeine. It has caffeine, and that's
2: what the thunder. Hence <laughs> the thunder that you need in the morning. Because typically I don't. I've never really needed caffeine, even though I'm getting older in age. Uh, A lot of it is because some of my younger children like to wake up in the middle of the night and then they think that that means they're awake for the whole morning, Uh, which my wife and I are trying to tell them, no, uh, (laughs) you're not supposed to be up right now. (laughs) (laughs) Not time to go play. Um, So I need a little bit more caffeine, a little more kick to my morning. Nice. Shane Bednarik.
3: Welcome back. Hey, super glad to be back. (laughs) Who are you? Yeah, I am originally from Chicago. I now work for Damascus in good old Centerburg, Ohio, the literal center of Ohio. Um, And in my mug is just good old water from my tap at home because (laughs) I go back and forth between drinking coffee, but I do love tea. Although this is my like new secret that I discovered from one of my friend's parents. Um, You know, like emergency packets and all those like vitamin C boosts. Yes. So I just buy those and just like throw hot water and honey with that. And it's perfect.
1: Yes. Okay. I'm not the only one who does that.
3: <laughs> yes. Okay. That validates my lack of craziness too. I appreciate it. Um, it's really good too. Cause it like just tastes like really strong raspberry. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I don't know with the cold water, you're just like, ew, it's just. It's not as good mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Make it into a T, why not?
3: <laughs> it's way more fun. It's more fun.
0: And you guys share musical theater experience? <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, definitely. I did it all throughout middle school and high school.
2: I I started a little later. I uh, when I was a junior and senior here at one of the fine institutions St. Charles Preparatory School. Nice.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What was your biggest role? Uh, I was, uh, we were talking about Elvis earlier, but I was an Elvis type character named the Pharaoh in uh, Joseph and the Amazing yes. Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see me when I was back? No, in, oh, okay. <laughs> but I saw the movie. Oh, yeah,
3: There you go. <laughs> the movie's not the same as the stage production though. Not well, at stage all. No, is no. Awesome. My wife was a uh, also a musical theater major and she was uh, one of the dance leads for Go Go Joseph. Oh, there you which go. Which is like one of the most high-energy songs in the entire thing, and she said it was like, you know, getting your whole weekend workout in one, you know, four or five oh, <laughs> yeah. song all at once.
0: I remember that well. Mo- the movie is one of the best things Donnie Osmond ever did, though. I have seen the movie. I'm just, yeah. I,
3: I know yeah. people who get really fired up about musical theater also say that the movies are just not the same. Yeah, it's it's nice. not.
2: Mulan it's is nice. his other singing yeah. role that he really shined in, and uh, Be a Man. Just- mm-hmm. There you go. Show some love for Mulan. <laughs> well, wow, I want to hear about yeah, Shane.
3: Um, one of my biggest okay, I would say my two biggest roles, because one came to mind from a conversation with somebody yesterday, and then one was one of they're both my favorites, probably. I was Lysander in A Midsummer Night's Dream, which isn't musical theater, but still Shakespeare, yeah. my junior year. And then my senior year, I was Mr. Mushnick in Little Shop of Horrors.
0: Okay. Oh uh Mm -hmm. andrew's dream role
2: no there's (laughs) an elvis role in little shop of horrors the dentist (laughs) and i've been waiting i've been you know now that i have kids i can't really do much at night (laughs) anymore but if if one of the local theater productions is listening do little shop of horrors i will audition we'll make it happen okay Mm -hmm. dr oren Scorville, he's Mm -hmm. an elvis guy a little bit different than the pharaoh and joseph but (laughs) just uh, just a little just
3: Well, that
0: could be our first St. Gabriel Radio, you know, musical theater production.
3: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah.
0: Hey, we're all in. So today we celebrate the feast day of Blessed Carlo Acutis. He was born way back in 1991 in London, uh, which would make him 32 now. But he uh, he passed away in 2006 on this day. And I know, Shane, you have a special devotion to Blessed Carlo. Mm-hmm. How, how did that, uh, how did you, uh, or how did he find you, or how did you find him?
3: <laughs> um, it was, the first time was in high school, and I just heard about this saint, well, saint to be, hopefully, uh, who, like, was, he loved video games, he loved computer programming, he loved a lot of things that I love, and he's just a millennial saint, so, like, I mean, seven years older than me, which is like wild to think, okay, there's somebody like on the path of canonization who's got seven years on me and that's it. Like just every part of that is so inspiring to me. And then kind of like fell away for a little bit just because I like forgot about him. Sorry, Carlo. Uh, But when I like remembered he existed, I was seeing all these articles about like Um, I think it was when they were starting to exhume his grave and stuff just to like see if he was incorruptible Mm -hmm. and they found out that he was. And like, I think that that is one of the coolest things that like God is like, oh yeah, this person who's like definitely in heaven, their body just isn't going to decompose. Like no other faith can say that, which is insane. And then, um, kept going through the years. And then the coolest, like one of the pinnacle of actually one of my acting things is CYSC Catholic youth summer camp during the summer has on uh, Wednesday nights a saint walk. So what happens is we have um adoration in the blessed sacrament, we have a monstrance and we're just processing around camp and we're stopping at different saint monologues given by some of the staff members and it's supposed to be very portrayed as if you are that person you like pray into it and that kind of stuff. And um so the summer of 2022 was our Eucharist summer. So I like the entire year beforehand, I was like, oh, Carlo better be one of them. Carlo better be one of them. And I, I just want to be him so bad. And like the Lord heard my prayers, the people in charge of things heard all of my exclamations towards this. <laughs> and I was blessed for nine weeks to be able to just give a monologue of Carlo's life to just give hope to the next generation that like they actually can be saints too. Mm-hmm.
1: I, w- I would suppose then you spent a lot of time in prayer with him. Was there anything particular that you received in prayer during that time of just, I don't know, just as you draw- drew closer to him?
3: Yeah, honestly, it's the simplicity of sainthood. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have to go and do these like insane things like immediately coming to mind like Therese and Teresa, mm-hmm. like those two like, changed the game in a lot of ways. But, like, we don't necessarily have to do that. Like, for most of his life, Carlo lived a normal life. Like, yes, he converted eventually to, like, really love the Lord. And he, like, created a website documenting all of the Eucharistic miracles. But, like, ultimately, he was just, like, a normal teenager. He played video games. He had Pokemon cards. Like, Mm -hmm. normal (laughs) things. We don't have to, like go way above and beyond and like rework an order or like have a whole new prayer discipline or anything like that.
0: When I think of Carlo, I also think of Pier Giorgio Mm -hmm. and the way that they attracted others, their their peers to Christ. Uh, I know part of Carlo's story is that he, it wasn't so much his parents bringing him to mass, uh, but he made the point of getting himself to mass. And and then bringing others along with him, and the compassion that he showed to other people especially reminds me of Pier Giorgio, and kind of this life that was beautifully lived that even his closest family, you know, didn't even know about. So, did you put on the track suit in the the (laughs) Nikes for your performance
3: no i did the red polo and some khaki shorts i am so sad because i forgot that i was gonna wear that today but when i was planning my outfit this morning it was just not in my mind and i was like all right it's gonna be kind of cold so like crew neck or something like that but that's okay i still have the red (laughs) polo
0: andrew what was uh what's your relationship with uh blessed carlo
2: well you know you said he's seven years older than you so am i uh uh, (laughs) it's it's it is kind of odd to have someone who's the same age as you on the path to canonization and to because i'm a few months older than him but born in 91 and so it's like i experienced like you said the pokemon cards i know he played playstation a lot so did i he mm-hmm. was like he's just like a guy i probably if we lived in the same place we might have hung out and he's now you know blessing the whole world with his witness and his body and you know his relics came through uh last or earlier this year last year and i actually i i meant to do this i have some prayer cards that our team made uh that touched his first class relics that i was going to bring in and give to everybody so i'll have to bring them in next time so you have next time yeah um but it's it's an encouraging witness to have somebody who's literally for the you know 15 years of your life like lived a life of sanctity and like can be an inspiration for you even now even um as now I have made it this long to 32 it's like what in ways can I in in my job and in my family and faith life implement the same
0: things that Carlo did when did you discover Carlo Amanda
1: Oh um not entirely sure when I discovered him maybe it was when I first started hearing about his canonization And so friends were talking about it and how exciting that is. And I think what I'm most struck by is just, yeah, same as Shane and Andrew had expressed this idea of, you know, you see his holy card or you see him as an incorruptible and he's wearing things that we see today, you know? Right. And you think about it in contrast to all the other holy cards and incorruptibles that you see and it's just almost like such a stark difference that at first you have to remind yourself like, no, this is this is a saint. Um, and so I'm very struck by that because, again, it does show this is this is what we're all called to. This is what we're all called to.
0: I remember really getting excited. I saw the the news releases and everything about the the beatification coming up, but who really got me excited about Blessed Carlo was Bishop Brennan. He was through the roof <laughs> excited about uh, Blessed Carlo, and we shared all kinds of information. I mean, he was—he was just really caught up in in the whole story of uh, Blessed Carlo. We were in Assisi uh, back in May, June, and had the opportunity to visit uh, uh, Blessed Carlo's tomb. And it's really interesting in Assisi that the medieval Assisi is very well preserved. And now you have such a contemporary saint there with, or blessed, but with uh, Claire and Francis. And you just really get that that thread of holiness. Uh, and he had a very special de- devotion to, to uh, St. Francis. And Carlo's parents live just outside of Assisi, uh, up in... Uh, up in the mountains a bit, but it, he's really attracting a lot of people, uh, especially younger people, into Assisi. And then they can take in kind of the whole the whole Assisi feel, which uh, is just, it's just a special place. So you all grew up in the digital world, and our topic this morning is uh, sanctifying the digital world. It's different growing up in it. So, I know in in my life, there's the kind of pre-digital and how relationships are formed and how work is done and life is lived, and then you bring in the, the digital world into that, and it's kind of a, there's always a little bit of a tension there. I don't think you guys really experience that tension the same way that I do.
1: Maybe not the same way, no, but I think we, we were kind of in a particular time in in history when it started becoming big, and mm-hmm. now kids know no different, actually, so I think we have an interesting mix here where we can talk about that. Well, what was your experience like, Dave?
0: A lot of it comes down to distraction mm-hmm. and just being present to... Um, to the world and to other people and with the advent of uh, the digital world especially uh, social media <clears throat> it it being a distraction mm-hmm. but even just the, the the cell phone and and notifications and what i've given up of my own kind of being in the present moment to to distraction and and that's where that that tension comes in on on how to how to live life in the real world so to speak and in the digital world
2: yeah i think everybody has that tension i am kind of in a weird spot where i still remember the analog world like i still grew up with that but then the digital world started to take over kind of pre-teen years teenage years so when it first came around a lot in social media was really you're just talking to your friends after school and it was this cool thing where the websites were mostly flash animation you would just like look at these ridiculous websites but you would still be doing it like hey come check out this thing mm-hmm. you'd go to your friend's house and they'd have a family computer I'm not sure how many families do that anymore um, and you're still gathered around something like you know the family gathered around the TV right <clears throat> or it, even the radio a yeah. generation earlier or the radio uh thank you god for the radio uh but now that tension still i feel like i feel like it's kind of in everybody's world and and i do feel a lot for the youth and i'm looking at shane because you know he deals with a lot of the youth uh because <laughs> any seven years younger any seven years younger <laughs> i'm still the youth too Yeah, um but they they don't know a different world you know uh and and so we, one of the things we need to think about when we're reaching out to everybody is that there's different generations uh, that are currently existing in this age that have different relationships with it. And what's the best way to reach the people who are specifically vulnerable? Mm-hmm. Um, because those are the people who are listening and watching the most in this digital sphere. And we need to be attentive to that as we you know, move about in our, our various you know ministries
0: or apostolates. We can go down this path if you guys want to, but what... The biggest, one of the biggest problems I see now is the amount of manipulation that's occurring in, in the digital world. I mean, whenever you, through history, <clears throat> deal with uh, media, you're, you're always uh, confronted with uh, perspective and, uh, and a degree of manipulation through advertising or through opinion pieces. But now in the digital world, that's all gone to a completely new level you can bring in AI into it, and what, uh, you know the people that you think you're interacting with may not even be real, right? And how just how immediate you you get drawn into conversations and into opinions, and you, it's more of a case of reacting rather than reflecting to, to what you're encountering. Yeah, I would say that's true.
1: Mm-hmm. Part, part something that comes to mind is I was watching something on my phone and at first it just seemed like this beautiful art and a poem that was playing and I was listening to us like, oh this this is really beautiful this sounds really lovely this can be really inspiring towards the end I as I was reflecting a little I was like something seems a little off and and then I started to realize, I think this is actually AI generated and it almost really got me because, and, and I don't know that, you know, the morality behind this or like philosophically what someone would say about this, but I got a little upset because it made me think that's not, I don't know if that's actually art mm. and where I felt like I was connecting to someone else's poetry, really I was realizing, oh, it's it's actually generated and it's not coming from the human heart. And something about it felt so disconnecting. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah. Honestly, like it should feel disconnecting in my opinion. Like it's just a bunch of ones and zeros, like figuring out like, oh, this word should go here. This word should go here. Almost like a parody of all of like the history of poetry. Like I I would never consider myself a poet, but I definitely have a journal full of poems and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's like, with that I'm like writing down my experiences I'm writing down like oh okay when I like experienced this emotion this feeling when I saw this thing and it's like just this pouring out of my heart but like AI is just I'm gonna type in some key buzzwords and then it'll just spit something out and it's like the AI doesn't know what it's like to like see a waterfall for the first time to like walk into an ocean or whatever like buzzword poetry type things are so like the like ai robot is disconnected and so we should be disconnected from that experience too mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. right and uh, john paul ii's letter to the artist he talks about god being the creator and where the craft's been. what ai does is really just taking what we have created or, or crafted, and it's making an imitation of that. Now, I will say the technology is pretty good. Yeah. It's a pretty <laughs> it good imitation. Impressive. And I think with anything in the digital sphere, AI, social media, just technical technological use in general, what we need to consider is, is, is it enhancing our life or is it becoming our life? And if it's enhancing our life, that's fine. Like if you're using AI, you know, maybe you're in a crunch at work and you just need to, You know, quickly, hey, I need a paragraph about, you know, this topic. Or, you know, you could also use it for, I need help. Like, what are some resources that I can have to get the help that I need? That's where it's used really well. But when it starts becoming our life and we're just living in it, and I've seen, like, I listened to Pints with Aquinas and there was like this AI generated thing with, uh, it was like Matt Frad, Father um, uh, Gregory Pine, and um, another person. And it was, a Debate about sandwiches and it sounded like them mm. and you can tell that uh, it just took their sound bites and, and was configuring them And it was kind of a fun thing to watch again. I was watching that with my friends So I mean that could be considered a good use But we do need to be cautious about you know How we use any technology as it comes through because we don't want it to be consuming our lives
1: So that conversation was actually not real.
2: It was not real at all. They just
1: put it like a I put it together real. Yeah, I don't that's a little scary to me because then that makes you think this could happen, in, you know, to anything, to anybody, with any topic. And would we really be able to know <laughs> if it's real? Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I don't want to be a luddite and and harken back just to the good old days, you know, because <clears throat> the reality is is that we are living in a digital world. So I think our conversation, I, I appreciate the guy, the way that you guys are taking it, is is how do we live, right? As as faithful christians how do we um, evangelize or as we say sanctify right the digital world and f- from what i'm hearing uh, on this part of the conversation is the importance of knowing who these craftsmen you talked about the the creator and the craftsman is really to have an understanding of who the craftsmen are yes in 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 this creation carlo Acutis was a craftsman in bringing Eucharistic miracles to the web. And he did this, how old was he? Do you know when he, when he
3: put this website together? Oh, he, I think he started when he started getting sick. And I wanna say that it was like maybe 12, 13-ish or maybe, maybe it was like within the last few months of his life, like last nine months. I don't remember off the top of my head.
0: Hmm. But there's the difference between being a creator and a consumer. Mm -hmm. And I know Andrew, you're involved in creation Yes, and we need Catholic creators.
2: Yeah. And that's where we can come into this sphere is to make creations, make social media graphics, podcasts, radio shows, um, and other types of creations online that help enhance people's lives and help them draw them into what is real, what is, you know, the true, you know, the most true physical presence in the world, which is the Eucharist. And so that's where, because there are people out there that they are kind of living in, like their reality is the digital reality. And that's, I guess I keep coming back to that because that's where my heart is and where my job is. Mm-hmm. And I think about those people while I'm leading the team because it's not, you know, it's it's not me doing it. It's a, it's a team effort. Um, and the things that we put out because we need to be thinking about the people who are living, quote unquote, in this digital sphere in the majority of their lives, <clears throat> but to call them into the physical world for a real connection and for real communication so that they can experience the body of Christ in its most real way, which is, which is together. Interpersonal. Mm-hmm. It's interpersonal. Right. Yeah. And, and the technology where it can go wrong is when it takes away that interpersonal. It's, you know, there's, um, when you're talking to somebody in person, like we are in the studio, you can see their body language. You can see the intonation. You can kind of get a, a feel for not just their words, but, their meaning behind their words when you're online, you don't get any of that really unless somebody's putting a lot of energy into typing, you know, their phrases in a very poetic way. Which, if we're being honest, that doesn't happen online. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so but, what
1: I hear you saying, Andrew, is actually this is real mission territory.
2: Yes, it is, it's real mission territory. There are people that are living in this space that I, I, I think the people who are listening the most online. Are the ones who are the most like most vulnerable um, for whatever reason the, where they're finding connection is in these online worlds, and it's not just social media. And you know, there's like Twitch streams uh, that especially the youth are connecting, and that's like pretty much watching people do video games amongst other things. Um, and they're finding their connection in the digital space, uh, and they have a lack of connection in the physical world. And so Mm -hmm. those are the people that I really pray
0: for a lot. There is a very real digital divide, and it's socioeconomic as well as um, with age. I was in the BMV a couple days ago with my daughter, and everything is is digital from check-in. And I I saw it with... it's easy to say, okay, boomer, you know, just get used to it and and adapt. But th- there were some folks there, and it was a three-hour wait uh, to be to be seen. And you have to do digital check-in, and and there were people there that didn't even didn't understand what that meant, and and they're sitting there watching people pass them by. And there was one uh, older older woman just walking. Up and down the aisle, trying to have some human interaction with the staff there, and they just kept on pointing to the ipad <laughs> yeah you know? yeah and i and, and that part of it was really really sad uh Shane, I'm thinking about c y s c and how different that experience would be if it if it was just done virtually, i mean this is a real opportunity to take <clears throat> young people, CYSC campers out of that digital world and put them back into the real world.
3: Yeah, so actually my first summer was 2020, so it was COVID, and um before we knew we would be able to have a like week-long residential camp, we were looking at a day camp model with virtual camp on like Tuesdays and Thursdays. Well, um praise the Lord that we were able to have a full summer camp, but we still had so many kids that were like ready and willing and able to do a virtual camp. So what we did was like, we recorded all of our skits and dramas. We had small group leaders who like had zoom small groups at night and that kind of stuff. And like that in itself was an experience that we've only done that summer. And I don't know if there was as much fruit, but I do know that being on the ground on site for that whole summer, like after months of disconnection from the whole world other than whatever you can get through some little box on your like table or in your hand or whatever like that was one of the biggest testimonies you would hear week after week was like I've been starved for like attention I haven't been able to talk to my friends I haven't seen people and now I know that like God sees me in all things like I have this relationship with God and like That's the kind of testimony that doesn't stop. It just continues to go because at CYSC, we are showing people like you can have a personal relationship with God. We like, we tell them, leave your phone at home. You like, it's such a disconnect. It's supposed to be a retreat from everything. And like, now you're in the middle of nowhere and all you have is the nature surrounding you and stuff. And it is just a beautiful flip. And Um, such a challenge to like what these young people's normal experience is because all of a sudden they're just pulled from everything. Like it could be support systems from like online friends that are elsewhere or like whatever sin and vice might have been led to from their devices or just like whatever they use to fill their time. And we're just trying to like unplug all of that and just help plug in Jesus, help plug in the sacraments, help plug in Mary. And like for so many, that's actually a huge turnoff. And we've seen people just get really mad, especially if they like try to sneak their phone or something like that. And um, it's just, it's really a battle. It really has become something that we have to fight for so that we can make sure that people know how to have a real connection. Because if you don't have a real connection with those around you, it's so much harder to have a real connection with jesus who is a man mm.
1: shane andrew we're talking about the digital world and also in relation to that sanctity and shane I, what you brought up in the beginning is you know when covid was happening this idea of okay what do we do now do we put this retreat online and although i think most of us would agree we, in person is always way better Um, The reality is during that time, people were able to come together with things like Zoom and the goodness that the digital world can bring to society if it's done well, right? And in the commentation, uh, a pastoral reflection on engagement with social media, I was struck by one of the things said here is that during the pandemic, St. Peter's square was empty, but full of presence, And so it makes me think of just,
0: that was was Holy week, right? When, uh, when Pope Francis, I I think spoke in, uh, to the world, to the, to the church from St. Peter's and he was the only person there. So I think that's that, that emptiness or that, um, how did it say there, there weren't people present, but there was a presence. Yeah. So St.
1: Peter's square was empty, but full of presence. Mm-hmm. And, and if you were one of the people watching that on TV, I mean, I just remember having like, wow, this is, this is just crazy what's happening. But I love how he puts it in this way that yet it was full of presence because during this time we were still able to use the digital world as a means to, to connect and so of course the church doesn't condemn the digital world that says all. that it can be used as a great tool a great means for communication if it's done well
0: i like that the title of this document is towards full presence mm. and i think oh, there there's there's a uh there has to be an, an acknowledgement of how superficial it doesn't have to be superficial but there it's pretty pervasive that interactions and friendships and uh, engagement is a bit more superficial than it is in, in real life and on interpersonal sitting across the table from somebody. Shane, how, how much of an awareness among middle schoolers and high schoolers is on what real relationships are. are. Are they figuring out that there's a difference between real life and the digital relationships? Or, or is it obvious to them that there is a difference?
3: I think it comes down to how they've been raised. I think that we have some people who are being raised with an emphasis in that, of like, this is what a real relationship looks like. Um, and then there are some people that just like, Miss the boat, maybe their parents are just their parents are disconnected from them. Yeah. And so they just have a device in front of them at almost all times. And so this idea of like having a connection with somebody is just weird and like even scary and like anxiety inducing for some people.
0: No, I know Carlo was a video game player, but yet he is he had that discipline to only do, I think, an hour. An hour a a week, week. yeah, Yeah. amazing, yeah, for a millennial, yeah, (laughs) back in the day. (laughs) But Andrew, have you given much thought to how you're going to raise your children in in a digital world? I have, and Shane, you mentioned um, about
2: how adults have like their devices on them and how their kids. Well, what I inferred from that, their kids are watching them. Two years ago, my now four-year-old was around the house, and I just left my phone just somewhere. And she brought it back to me. I was like, Oh, I don't need that right now. I was like, no daddy, this is your phone. And then it didn't, the first time it didn't, uh, you know, occur to me like, Oh, and then happened two more times after that. And I was like, Oh, she thinks that I have to have my phone on me at all Mm. times. And even if I'm not using it, like, you know, it's in my pocket or just around me. And that really opened my eyes to think about how intentional I am with my phone and other devices, the television, uh, laptop, you know, anything. Um, and thinking about how, you know, before I, you know, take the speck of sawdust out of my children's eye and, and tell them how to do, you know, digital media, I need to take the plank out of my own and look at my life and be reflective and be the example for them that they need of, yes, dad has a phone, but it's not the center of his life, Mm. you know? Yes, he has a phone, but he puts it away and plays with us or talks with us or builds robots with us or big Lego things. And life is way better in person and my dad loves me because he's giving me this attention that'll, you know, when we take them to mass or adoration or anything else like that or praying with them, they're like, oh, this is something that's important because, you know, my parents are doing it. So I just try to lead by example, really. and limit as much screen time as possible we're not complete luddites uh you mm-hmm. used that term earlier i like mm-hmm. that term um but just showing them how to use it
0: in the correct way like you would something else a- everything else yeah everything mm-hmm. else. yeah because it mm-hmm. is a gift mm-hmm. right and that's uh let's talk some about maybe the digital world as, as mission territory we talked about ai earlier there's i don't know if you guys have discovered this yet magisterium.ai i have not no. yeah pretty cool it's pretty cool. It collects the church documents, a lot of papal documents. Uh, I think the catechism, other things, and it's it's all, you know, a search engine. And, but it,
1: and so you can trust it because literally it's only those sources.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you trust it as far as you know who the creators are, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and so, yeah, the, the these are good people that have created this, so you know that they're doing it to evangelize but you type in your question on you know what is the trinity so it'll pull from all these church sources and 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 give you the answer and it's still a jumping off point but where else do you see in the digital world now is especially being ripe for for mission we used to define it geographically and and i guess you still can treat the digital world geographically mm-hmm. divided up into social media or websites or you know <clears throat> or whatever where do, where do you see mission territory and as an opportunity to proclaim the gospel
3: yeah i mean um, i just see it in a lot of like the influencer buzzwords so like influencers and stuff and people who are unafraid to be christian so um like i i am a like habitual scroll through youtube shorts And there is this woman, um, Brittany Dawn, I think is her name. And like, she is unafraid to testify of like her life of sin before Jesus, but that she has found new life. She like testifies to her miscarriage and everything like that. Like she's unafraid to show it. And like, I'm blessed by it when I see it, but I just know that like the algorithm, the mysterious algorithm, like shows that to me. But I know there are so many different, like, sources out there that are like trying to fight the good fight. I know that Damascus media is putting out so many different like shorts and reels of like, whether it's worship moments, whether it's testimonies, whether it's just like gathering of like videos of encounter, like we are trying to just put good in there so that like all of the algorithms can start just picking it up. Mm -hmm.
1: Actually, Shane, I think you bring up a really good point um, of like, What, what do we follow too? this idea? So I've intentionally in, in my feed in Instagram, I'll make sure that I follow everything that's positive and everything that's not positive, you know, don't even click on it, unfollow it. If they start to say things that I'm just like, I just don't agree with that. That's not positive. Then, you know, having the algorithm pick up on things that are good so that if I am going to have any screen time, it's all positive and inspirational.
0: This uh, same document uh, from the Dicastery for Communications Towards a Full Presence has this to say about uh, the mark of a witness. We are not present in social media to sell a product, as so many influencers are. This is the difference between being a witness and an an influencer. We are not advertising, but communicating life, the life that was given us in Christ. Therefore, every Christian must be careful not to proselytize, but to give witness and I think that this person on TikTok that you described, Shane, is is more than an influencer, but is, is, is a witness.
3: Mm-hmm. Definitely.
2: Yeah, I think a question we can all ask ourselves in light of Blessed Carlo is how can we be Carlo today? You know, he used the tools that he had at the time to, you know, make the website about Eucharistic miracles. So how can we do that today? And I would say, you know, Damascus does do a really good job of witnessing, and I've seen and we try to do the same thing with dioceses, but it's a bit different of an audience, but it warms my heart. Every time you see like Eucharistic adoration on Damascus's like reels. And I know that there's kids that are going to be scrolling through. Uh, it's, it's called doom scrolling. It's a, uh, it has some effect because uh, you do it too much, but then mm. sometimes you'll have to stop. And in, in the music that Damascus uses and just seeing the Eucharist, even in, you know, it's still a, a, in the digital world, but it's, it's still God and they're still seeing that. and, getting a witness today I think that's a very beautiful thing and that's it's the same kind of concept that we try to do the diocese you know a lot of what we do is trying to get people to parishes really and and say hey this thing is going on here hey this thing is going on here it's an invitation to you know some physical reality but uh, the way that we do it has to capture people's attention
3: yeah and I think like just to like pull something from what you're saying of like it really is still Jesus I feel like there is this like I want to like, it's kind of reverence, kind of just fear, but not like a fear of God, just like a, like a natural fear of like, well, it's Jesus. So like, are we allowed to do this? Like, I know that Damascus has gotten some flack for some of the things that we've said that we've done, like worship lyrics that we've written and that kind of stuff. But like, at the end of the day, like the salvation of souls should be on our heart and on our mind. If somebody's doom scrolling and all of a sudden they see like Jesus, that could change someone's life. And like there's this kind of funny meme of like, you know, people like they're like the world is self-aware about doom scrolling. But that doesn't mean they're going to change anything about it. Instead there's like a joke of like, Oh, here's like a rest point, like pause, like drink some water. Here's a like funny meme that isn't like politically based or anything like that. Just so like you're taking a breath and then you can keep scrolling after like that respite, if that respite is just Jesus, whether it's like worship lyrics, whether it's like him present in the Eucharist, like that could be a game changer that could like snap them out of the doom scroll and like lead them to prayer.
2: Well, and so an example from the diocese is There's this retreat called Quavadis, which Mm -hmm. is for, uh, you know, high school aged uh, men to consider their vocation in life. And it's from the Department of Vocations. We had a reel of a seminarian talking about Quavadis. And one of the participants said that the reason they're there is because they were up at one in the morning uh, and they were doom scrolling. And this reel of the seminarian uh, inviting him to the retreat came on. And it inspired him to go there. Wow. Yeah. So there's positive things to be had in the digital space. It's not all doom and gloom, like you said, Amanda, earlier. It's it's just how we use it.
0: Yeah. Carlo Cutis uh, developed this website to catalog and promote Eucharistic miracles. And on the site, he told people that the more we receive the Eucharist, the more we will become like Jesus, so that on this earth we will have a foretaste of heaven. So what he did was take his passion for for the Eucharist uh, for his faith and using the platform that was available to him to evangelize the world through a website where do you see opportunities or if somebody has this passion and uh, a zeal to proclaim a certain aspect of, of of the gospel what would be your advice as as users do they go to social media do they go to a website. What what what's in your opinions the best platform to use to actually have conversation and, and to evangelize? It changes so frequently.
2: I think the first thing is to pray about where you want to go, uh, because it's like you know there are many rooms in the house. There's many yeah, avenues. Right. Yeah. There's many avenues that you can reach people. You know, not every avenue is in the digital one. But if you really like, if an individual has seen these influencers. Online or they have experienced something that they feel like they can add to that, you know, atmosphere, then great go that way. If you feel it's a website to collect things, what are you interested in? You know, what are, what are your likes, you know, know yourself. And then from that, that's where you decide where, you know, you can fit into any type of, you know, charism that the church has. Mm
3: and this might be a selfless plug, but I think like finding missionary programs that align with your ideals so that like whatever you desire to do, you can also be formed to know Jesus better. So like, for example, if anybody listening, if you really like media and you're between the ages of 18 and 28, CYSC has a media staff and we would love to have you apply applications open October 15th. Um, (laughs) And so like, Everybody who comes and is able to serve with us, they get to know Jesus better. They get to learn their craft better and they get to do their craft for the Lord. Like I was saying earlier, when I got to give the um, witness of Carlo Acutis, I don't remember what I said. I said something about using your gifts, like to serve the Lord. Like, why would you go anywhere else unless you're doing that? And we had an intern with us for that week to do media staff. And she heard that and the Lord just spoke so clearly to her and she ended up staying for the rest of the summer because of just something that like Holy Spirit said through me because she knew that she could serve the Lord using her gifts and talents to glorify him.
2: Isn't that the best? I used to be a missionary for St. Paul's Outreach. Oh, yeah. So I did college outreach. And um people would say, what you said about this topic or this topic really touched my heart. And the best part is is like, I don't remember saying that at all, (laughs) at all. And you're just like, thank you, Holy Spirit, because I don't have the words to say, you do. So thank you for working through me. So yeah, I just wanted to add that. It's a beautiful witness when that happens. I would also say, if you wanna go into the digital space, make sure you're taking time to take care of yourself because it can be very consuming. Um, you know, so I don't really use my personal social media as much anymore because I'm so involved in the diocese, Right, you have to find ways to disconnect and unplug to get, also get in the physical reality with other people, like the people you're trying to care for. So I, I'd like to put that out there for anyone wanting to get in this space.
0: Let's talk, stay here for a second where, how, how do you manage your digital usage? One of the game changers for me was turning off notifications. This yeah. is so... so Simple because by having notifications on, I was giving my phone permission to control me, essentially, that I would pay attention when, you know, the tone went off or when the phone vibrated. I allowed myself, gave the phone permission to distract and be a diversion by turning that off now. I mean, that that simple step was such a game changer for me to kind of take back some of that that control. Do you guys have any tips on, on that?
1: Well, Dave, I've actually also taken it a step further is I don't even have it on volume. Mm-hmm. Like my phone is completely on silent all day unless I know I'm going to be getting a call. And I know for a lot of people, they can't do that because you know they have children or family members that maybe need to reach them right away. But if you're someone who can, why not?
0: Yeah. Gentlemen,
3: for me, I um, deleted Instagram like a couple years ago. Facebook is one of the few social medias I have Facebook, YouTube, and Be Real, um, if you even know what Be Real is. Um, he looked at me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, yes, I did. Okay, actually, I, though, I don't know
3: what it is. So. It, I do. <laughs> yes. Do you? Yes. Sorry, my bad. I know what be real is, yeah. Basically, it's just a social media where you're supposed to, quote, unquote, be real because a notification will go off <laughs> randomly in the day, and that's when you take your picture for the day, and it does a front camera and back camera, so, like... You can't like necessarily be fake. You can't doctor a photo up or anything like that. It's just whatever's happening in the moment. But that's kind of cheating when it comes to me saying, I don't use social media, but something I've done in the past is like only use my web browser for social media. Like I don't even have the app on my phone. Mm. And like, I know a lot of people still do that. And there's like limitations and stuff, but uh, I mean, it's a limitation for a reason. Like the Lord probably wants you to be able to like pump the brakes there.
2: I don't have the luxury of doing any of that because I have to monitor the diocese, <laughs> social media. Um, but I would say just the virtue of temperance, just thinking about time. There's a, a podcast guy I follow um, who says discipline equals freedom. And so working mm. on your personal discipline. Um, and so when I get home, like I still kind of have it around and I'll, I'll put it in a space and I'll check on it, but I'm not checking on it all the time. And then there's a certain, hour of the day it's like nine o'clock where i just i just put it away um because you know people will comment on diocesan stuff at any time of the night and I, you can't i just can't have that consume my life you know like i talked earlier about being present with my family and um that's more important at, at that hour and um so it's just really about moderation okay.
0: amanda let's talk about content now as consumers and we have about seven or eight minutes left. What what kind of content would you like to see created uh, to to evangelize? Where are there any any gaps in 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 what's being shared and what's what's being created? I'd like to personally. I'd like to see more on on prayer, the interior life. So much is is outwardly focused, and not that's not to say that there isn't any of this, but I'd like to see more of it show up on the scrolls or on websites on, on that, that are more interior focused. Anything come to mind?
3: I think it's a tricky thing, but like convicting messages. I think like a lot of the bite has been taken out of the gospel in this day and age because like, Everyone is saying that like, oh, as Christians, you're supposed to be tolerant, but it's like, no, we're supposed to stand up against evil. And like, I mean, like there's the thing about, um, I'm guessing this is issue one in front of me for the state of Ohio. And it's like, well, no, we need to like be unafraid to like stand up against this and to like speak on this. And like, yes, to do so with like love and charity, but like Jesus flipped tables. He created whips out of cords when like he saw that his father's house was like a den of thieves, like we need to fight against all of the thieves that are coming to steal, slaughter and destroy our lives.
2: Mm. yeah, it's something about thank you. Good. yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, do, do I have to follow up that uh, <laughs> But just making the the church has so much beauty, and just making that beauty beauty accessible. I'm going to call on the younger generation to do that because um, I feel like they have the most time and opportunity. To do that, like I mean, Carlo, he was you know a teenager when he created his website, um, but I think the youth really has an knows it better than the adults, and so the youth that is convicted, you know, with the relationship with Christ, to find ways to reach out, um, that makes you know there's just beautiful documents, there's beautiful art, there's just beautiful history with the church,
0: make it accessible to us all. And on that, also, I, I'd add do it for do it for the Lord first and foremost, yep. and not for. Um for likes or you know for a way to build necessarily a community around it or 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 to monetize it for your ratio yeah the youth know what i'm talking about Mm
3: -hmm.
0: (laughs) i know (laughs) how to spell it i don't know what it
3: is (laughs) also to the youth like if there are any youth listening you guys see the lord in a way that is unique to your experience like don't be afraid to share that. Like yes. Carlos saw the Lord in technology. He saw it like, like he chose to only do an hour of video games a week because that was just how the Lord would be present to him. Like find where he is present to you, how he interacts with you and engages with you and share that.
0: Amanda, what would you like to see more of?
1: Um, actually what comes to mind is, so I briefly lived in Pittsburgh actually. And Pittsburgh Catholic young adults have a group meet for like all of Pittsburgh. And it's they just throw up anything that is going to be happening in like the whole diocese. And then people just show up. And I think (laughs) I think that it would be great if Columbus had something like that. It's just like everyone's connected. And like you were sharing, Andrew could go to any one of these events and actually meet up in person. So I think that would be cool.
0: Next question, roundtable. How do you respond, react, and communicate through the uh, comm boxes? How impulsive are are you guys, and how should we do a better job of engaging?
1: Comm boxes?
0: Communication boxes, like replies, so replying i have to explain this to you amanda
1: yeah
3: sorry <laughs> i i needed it too i, will okay, be honest. I Thanks, wasn't even James. sure what <laughs> words you know like on, on on the
2: facebook so yeah i thought you meant because the communications emails come okay like mailbox was like wait how you? <laughs> yeah the, the replies
0: i mean how do you reply and interact with others and and tips on reflecting rather than just uh re- reacting to people listen uh
2: Respond if necessary and then invite. So you need to listen to what they're saying. Sometimes, I mean, a lot of things that I get is just random and you, they don't need a response or they're, they're not seeking for a conversation, um, and, but respond when necessary. Um, and I have the luxury of having a lot of great people who know more than I do around me. So I ask them questions and then invite, if they're really incensed about something, invite them to help out or um, just to an event or to like talk further. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people go away after you invite them on the social sphere. But then I've had experiences when people come closer into the church as well.
3: Yeah.
2: Anything to add?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think just like love and charity, like ne- like especially something that maybe feels like an attack or anything like that, like pay attention to what your emotions are doing, but like do not react out of those emotions, pause, pray, ask for the Holy spirit. Um, and then like, See how you can best engage with them because you might just be a target, not actually like the person who's supposed to answer their questions. And that's why, like, I'm so happy you said to not reply sometimes because not everything needs to be dignified with a response. Sometimes comments should be deleted.
0: Hmm. Shane and Andrew, thanks for being with us in the cafe today. We'll be back at it tomorrow, Amanda. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.
1: As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen.
0: God bless you all.